I love that phrase. Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? It, it, it reveals to us a change of mind. It reveals to us a, a change of heart. Something took place that day at that well that changed that woman's destiny, that woman's life forever. And when I mean forever, I don't just mean uh, her, her time here on this earth. It changed her eternity. Because she came to understand who Jesus was. But it didn't just change her eternity. It changed her everything. It, we'll get into it as, as we go into the the, the, it, go through the message, but it says she left her water pot at the well. Her purpose to coming to that well was to get some water. But she didn't leave with the water that you could drink. She left with the water that that if you drink, you'll never thirst again. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for what Christ did in my life, for the salvation that he so freely offers every single one of us. I'm thankful for, for the fact that, that, it, it, that it changed not just my future, but it changed my present. And it changed my focus. It changed my purpose. She said to these men, in verse 29, come see a man which told me all things that he ever did. You ever have something that was just so amazing you couldn't really describe it and give it justice? There have been times when that's happened to me. This coming uh, here in a couple weeks, it is my wife and our, my 15th anniversary. A few years ago, thank you, a few years ago, how she was put up with me for 15 years, I'm not sure. Uh, however, it's by God's grace. Uh, but uh, uh, a few years ago, we went out to eat at a restaurant, and I've used this uh, illustration before, uh, but I don't know about you, but I like cheesecake. Does anybody here like cheesecake? Amen. I also like bacon. Do, do you all like bacon? Okay. I mean, listen, if we were down south, they'd be like, amen. Hey, you all get all crazy about bacon. Uh, bacon and cheesecake, uh, they're some of the most amazing foods I've, uh, that you can have. Now, they're not healthy for you at all, and I'm not trying to tell you to go out and eat them. I'm just saying they taste amazing. We went to this restaurant and ate our dinner, and, and on the, the dessert menu, and since it was our anniversary, I saw this, this maple bacon, or no, caramel bacon cheesecake. Three of the most amazing things you can have, all mixed into one thing. It was, it was awesome, and I took that first bite, and it was like I transcended into heaven, and the angels began to sing, and ah, uh, uh, they, they, okay, it wasn't quite like that, but it was amazing. They, and I can remember trying to explain it to people how good this cheesecake was, but you know, the only way they could really understand what it tastes like is to try it for themselves. They go to the same restaurant, they order the same cheesecake, and they eat it and put it in their mouth, and they get the naked savor it. They wouldn't look at me like I'm crazy talking about how amazing this cheesecake was. Now, don't go out and buy me cheesecake right now because I can't eat it, and it'll only be torture. Uh, but uh, it's, it, was, it was really amazing. Something happened in this woman's life in this passage of, uh, in this passage of Scripture that, that changed her outlook. It changed her future. It changed her purpose. It changed everything. And she didn't go in and say, hey, listen what happened to me. 
She said, come and see. She goes, you can't, you can't understand until it happens to you. We can't understand the love of God until we experience the love of God. We can't, we can't experience forgiveness of our sin and the, the, the release of that guilt and that shame that we carry until we experience the forgiveness that God can give us. I want you to notice a few things here in this passage. But before we do that, let's, let's take a moment to pray. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for, for your work in our lives. Lord, I thank you for my salvation. Lord, the salvation of those that are here and saved. God, thank you so much for, for what you've done in their hearts and their lives. I thank you, Lord, for, for the, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. God, I ask you this morning that if there's one here today that has never experienced it, that today, God, that they might come and see. God, I pray that you give me the words to speak, the power to speak. God, I pray that your spirit would speak to their hearts, all of our hearts. Lord, may we come away from this, Lord, having truly tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Lord, may you teach us, may you instruct us, may you help us. God, I ask you this in Christ's precious name. Amen. I want you to notice, first of all, the conversation, as a way of introduction, by the way, this is just an introduction, the conversation that was taking place. Remember in John chapter 4, Jesus is, is, uh, has come to Samaria, and Jesus is a Jew. Uh, he's, he, he, the Jews and the, and the Samaritans uh, did not get along. They looked down, uh, the Jews looked down upon the Samaritans. They, uh, because they were half-breeds. There was a, there was a racial divide, and uh, there was a, uh, there was a, the, the, the Samaritans had once been Jews. Those that had lived in Samaria had once been Jewish, uh, but uh, when uh, the occupation of the, the Gentiles had come in, uh, when uh, Jerusalem was destroyed and the temple was destroyed and all those things happened uh, uh, before Christ's time, uh, uh, Gentiles, the Romans, the Greek, they, they had come in and settled in that area, so there was a mixture of people. So they looked down upon them, and, and they treated them uh, terribly. In fact, the, the Jews, if they could help it in, at all, they would completely avoid going through those areas. They wouldn't talk to them. They wouldn't treat them well. But I love what it says in verse 4 of chapter 4. It says, he, speaking of Jesus, must needs go through Samaria. There was, there was a purpose for what Christ had to do that day. Uh, he goes into this town, and he, uh, he and his disciples, uh, uh, while he was, in fact, this was the, the, the longer route. Uh, he was going from, from uh, Judea to Galilee, and he actually had to go out of his way to get to Samaria, uh, to the, the city of Sychar, which is where, where this woman uh, was. And, and it was the, 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 he sat down at the well that Jacob had dug, uh, and, and, uh, but he was, he was there, and the disciples went into Sychar to get some food and some nourishment. They were hungry. They were they were tired, uh, and Jesus is sitting there. Now, it's midday. It's hot. And this woman from Sychar, this Samaritan woman, comes down. This conversation that began to take place is, is interesting. One, because most times a Jew and a Samaritan wouldn't talk. In fact, notice verse 9 in this chapter. It says, Then saith the woman of Samaria, Samaria unto him, how is it thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, 
which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. She couldn't believe that this, that this man would, would even talk to her. She, could, she knew he was a Jew, and she knew that he knew she was a Samaritan. It, 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 it amazed her that he would, that he would uh, step across that cultural racial line. It, it surprised her because most times they were looked down upon. Most times they were avoided. But there was something different about this man. There was, there was something different about his approach. Not only did he talk to her, but he asked her for a drink of water. And he started a conversation with her. It, she was, it, it surprised her. Not only did it surprise her, it surprised the disciples. Look at verse 27. And upon this, this is his disciples' return, and upon this his, came his disciples. They came upon him speaking to her and, and marveled that he talked with woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? It surprised everybody that, 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 this, that, this, that this man, Jesus, would talk to her. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that Jesus lowered himself to talk to me. That God revealed himself through his word, through the spirit of, his, uh, of, of God. To me, a Gentile, but more importantly, a sinner. I didn't deserve it. The Bible says, for by grace are ye saved. You know what that means? The word grace? I was saying amazing grace, but do we really understand what it means? It means God has given me my, an undeserved favor. I haven't done anything to earn the, 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 the work of God in my life. I didn't do anything to, to deserve the, the, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. It, it, God has given me a free gift, but it's, it, 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 that's exactly, it's free. I didn't earn it. I, I can't pay for it. I, I'm not worthy of it. I want you to understand this. Nobody is worthy of what God has done for us. And this woman, she looks at this man amazed that he would even dare to speak to her. I'm thankful that Christ spoke to me. And listen, to the moment when he said, come unto me, all ye that labor, he was talking to everybody. And the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. I love that word, whosoever, because it literally means whoever. God does not have a list up there saying, well, not this guy, and not this guy, and certainly not this guy. Because I would have been on one of that, that list if that was the case. But God in his mercy, God in his grace spoke to me. I'm glad he didn't allow those things to keep him from confronting me and, and working in me. Romans chapter 2, verse 11 says this, for there is no respect of persons with God. God does not judge us based upon our heritage. God does not judge us based upon uh, our, 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 our skin color or based upon our, our background or based upon our actions. God does not judge us based upon any of those things. He does not look at you and I differently. He sees us exactly the same. The, the phrase is this, that the ground at the foot of the cross is level. He doesn't respect persons. 
Acts chapter 10, verse 34, uh, God is, in chapter 10, uh, God has given Peter a vision. At that time, before that time, they believed, the apostles believed that the Gentiles uh, were outside of the work of God, that Christ came for the Jews. And, and in chapter 10, God was giving uh, Peter a vision so that he would know that he was to go and speak to a man named Cornelius. And he sees this, this uh, he's meditating, and God gives us this vision. And this blanket comes down from heaven, and, and in that, within that blanket are all kinds of, of unclean beasts that they weren't, the Jews, according to their law, were not allowed to eat. And God said to Peter, rise and eat. And Peter says, not so, Lord. Peter had a way of... Of every time God said something, he's like, no, 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 no. By the way, that's not the right response. In fact, God had to repeat this vision uh, uh, multiple times so that Peter would finally get it. But we see in, in chapter, verse 34, what Peter learned from this. This is verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God has no respect to our persons. He understood that God was directing him to go to this man Cornelius, and to, that, who was a Gentile, a Roman, a, a, and to preach the gospel. And he got to see that man get saved and blessed with the Holy Spirit just like the Jews had been. Why? Because God doesn't respect your race. God, does, God doesn't care if, uh, whether you're a man or woman, whether you come from money or whether you're as poor as dirt. God doesn't care. You could be wearing a three-piece suit here today or you could be coming in in a, in a pair of jeans and a t-shirt uh, with holes in it. Listen, God doesn't care. Man cares. By the way, we need to be careful that Christians don't look at somebody and avoid them because they don't look like you think they ought to look. The gospel's for them too. In fact, the truth is, they need the gospel more than you think. James chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, and then verse 9 says this, My brethren, I, I have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect to persons. For if there come under your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a, a poorer man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth a gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor man, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Verse 9 says, But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin, and are convinced of the law of the transgressors. It is sinful to treat people differently. And we need to be careful of that, especially as we're talking about sharing the gospel. Listen, Christ's mission here on this, on this day as he went to that well, it wasn't because he was thirsty. There was somebody there that needed to hear the gospel. There are people all around us, children of God, that need the gospel. Drunks. People that are addicted. People that you wouldn't want to be caught associating with people from the other side of the tracks we don't really I guess we do have tracks here the truth is we're all sinners it's important for us to understand that and follow the Lord's leading in this but so this conversation that he was having with this woman amazed her amazed everybody notice also the confusion that she had verse verses 10 through 15 in this conversation that she's having with Jesus back in John chapter 4 uh Jesus says, it says, verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God and who it is uh, that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, in this, and the well is deep. From whence, from whence then hast thou that living water? 
Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and the, the cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever shall drink of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus is speaking of spiritual things. In John chapter 7, we see that he's speaking of a, a fountain, that, that, this same fountain, the same living water, and he, the Bible tells us it's the Holy Spirit. But in verse 15, so the woman says unto him, Sir, give me this water, that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Here, Christ is trying to speak to her spiritual things, and she doesn't get it. She's confused. She, she's like, where are you going to get this water from? I'm the one with the water pot. Here's the well. It's deep. You're not going to be able to reach down there and get it. Where is this water going to come from? And, and, and if you've got this water, man, I sure would like to get some of that water because I don't want to have to come down here and draw water every day. There was, there was confusion. There was misunderstanding in, in her hearts and minds. And listen, uh, before uh, the Spirit of God opens her eyes, before God convicts us of those sins, before we, we could hear the gospel a million times, we could hear spiritual truths uh, a hundred thousand times, but until God opens our eyes, we're confused. It doesn't make sense to us. The Bible, Paul said this, that the preaching of the cross is to them that believe not foolishness. To those that are saved, it's the power of God. But to the lost, they don't understand it. Paul also said this, uh, if the gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. They, they can see it, they can hear it, they can understand it, but they can't believe it. Because the truth is, it is beyond belief outside of the work of Christ in their hearts. She was confused about the water. She's confused about the worship. We see in verse 19, uh, Jesus says, or says this, uh, The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in the mountains, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto, unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye, shall, when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. Uh, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour cometh. And now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Verse 25 says, The woman saith unto him, I know that the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he, was, when he has come, he'll tell us all things. She... she, she, she knew a little bit about what worship was supposed to be. She had in her mind what it was supposed to be. But she said, when, when the Messiah comes, he's going to clear it all up. He was sitting right beside her. I understand, there was confusion. And, and listen, today there are those that are confused about spiritual things, and you can sit there and, and, and they'll try to have a spiritual conversation with you, and you're trying to figure out where they're getting their information and who's because it doesn't line up with anything that has to do with the word of God or scripture and there are a lot of people that that will tell you what they believe but it's based on their own belief not based upon what the Bible says now listen I'm not telling you to, to believe what I say I'm not believe what the Bible says take what I say and compare it to what the word of God says because I, I I'm only a man I I I, I I'm going to start. I'm just going to start stuttering now. I'm only a man. I'm going to make. Uh, I'm going. To, I could make mistakes. I could. I am fallible. But the word of God will not lie to you. And so, so, so dive into and, and and seek after the word of God. That the word of God can speak for itself. 
because there's so many people that are just confused about what it means to be saved. There are a lot of different cults and religions that, that use the same words that we use. And they'll talk about being saved, and they'll talk about sin, but they don't know what the Bible has to say about it. And, and listen, if it's just your opinion, it's just your opinion. If it's just something that somebody taught you, it's just something that you learned from somebody else, their opinion. But if it's based in the scripture, then it's what's called doctrine or truth. And we need, as we need to base our lives upon that truth. She was confused about the water. She was confused about worship. But when God cleared these things up, I want you to see what happens. Here in verse 25, the woman saith unto him, she confesses, she saith unto him, I know that Messiah has come, which is called Christ, whom he has come. He will tell us all things. She understands that there is a Messiah, a promised Messiah. And she goes, when he's come, then uh, he'll, he'll explain all these things. Then he'll help us to understand all these things. And Jesus says in the next verse, I that speaketh unto thee am he. And something happens from this verse on to verse 29. There is an understanding. There is, there is a, a, a change of mind. There is a change of heart. It's what Jesus said in John chapter 3. There was a new birth. She was spiritually born again. Suddenly things became clear. And I know that it's proven here in verse 29. Because she, she, in verse 28, she leaves her water pot. She runs into town. She, she goes to, to the men of the city and says, Come and see which, a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? By faith, she had trusted in Christ. And it changed everything about her life. It changed her perspective. It changed her purpose. It changed, it changed, it changed her, her, her hungers and her desires. It changed her future. And listen, that's what happens when we get saved. We, we aren't what we used to be. The Bible says old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new when we are in Christ. We are, we are a new creation, a new creature, and praise God for that. Our sins are forgiven. And they're not held to us uh, above us anymore. They're not held to our account. We're, we stand justified, or, 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 or he, he declares us just or right, not because of us, but because of what Christ did for us. We have a home in heaven ahead of us, not judgment. We have a purpose. But in verse 29, she said, come and see. What she was saying is, come and see for yourself. It isn't good enough for me to describe to you what, what, he, what has happened in my life. She goes, I want you to come and see because it's amazing. It's uh, unbelievable. Have you ever experienced something so unbelievable you didn't know that you could, if you could describe it justice? You can talk about a beautiful sunset, but there's nothing like watching a beautiful sunset. That, uh, you, you can talk about the, the beauty of the northern lights. I've got to see them once in my life. I could talk about it, but I cannot give, do it justice. She could have gone into this town, into this city, and told everybody what happened inside, but she wouldn't have been able to do it justice. So instead, she says, I want you to come and see what has happened. I want it to happen for you too. 
And listen, when we get saved and we place our faith in Christ, there should be a hunger and a desire to go to others and say, I want you to see what has happened for me. Because it's so amazing. And the truth is, I believe that when we get saved, that, that desire is put there. But over time, we can let it wane down. It waxes and wanes. We can let the things of, uh, the, the, the problems that we face and the, the busyness of life and all kinds of different things tamper that down. But I want to encourage you Christians, to, listen, it's time to go and tell people to come and see. And listen, if you're here today and you've never seen for yourself, I invite you to come and see. Come and see this, this man, this, this Christ, this God in the flesh, this Messiah who loved you. I want you to see a few things here. First of all, I want you to see his perception. Her first testimony of Christ was this, come and see a man which told me all things that I ever did. We all have secrets. She had secrets. I have secrets. You have secrets. Say, we shouldn't have secrets. Everybody has secrets. Everybody has things that, that they have done, things in their past, things that they, have, that, that they hope that they'd be ashamed for anybody to find out. I want you to, in your mind to stop right now and, and just think for a moment of those deep, dark things that you wouldn't even tell your spouse about. They, you, wouldn't tell your, uh, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't feel comfortable whispering it out loud because you would be afraid of what people would think of you. We all have secrets. But I want you to see his perception. Because while we all have secrets, God sees everything. Here in this, in this passage, in this, in this account, in verse 17 and 18, we see that he sees her secrets. Now before we get there, look at First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9. First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9. I wish, I wish that there were things that I could keep secret, but honestly, I'm glad that God can see it all because in the fact that God sees it all, there's nothing that he hasn't forgiven. But in First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9, it says, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the, the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind, for the Lord searcheth all, all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. He doesn't just see what we do. He knows what you thought. Now I want you to, to it, 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 wouldn't it be scary if we just said, hey, I have a, this new technology and it can read your minds. And today, it, I, I've captured all your thoughts for the last 48 hours and we're going to project it up on the screen for everybody to see. Stay here. How many people do you think would stay in the room? Nobody. They all might want to stand out there and look to see what everybody else was thinking, but nobody's going to want to stay in here and, and, and let everybody see every thought that's coming to their mind. You know, God knows your thoughts. God knows what those things you meditate on. God, God knows those things that you think about. Psalms 139 verse 2 says this, Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. God knows our deeds. God knows our thoughts. 
And here in, in, in verse 17 and 18, we, we find that, uh, that she was, that God knew what she was doing. Verse 17 and 18 says this, the woman of, of John chapter 4, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Actually, verse 16, Jesus saith unto her, go and call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus saith unto her, thou hast well said, I have no husband. Thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that thou saidst thou truly. What's going on? Well, you have to understand a couple of things. Number one, it's the middle of the day. You say, why does that matter? Why would, why would a woman do the heavy work in the middle of the day? She, had, she carried a water pot, an empty water pot. She was going to fill it with water, and, and she was going to carry it back. Why wouldn't she go early in the morning in the, in the cool of the day when culturally that's when everybody did it? She was shunned from everybody else. People wouldn't talk to her. Uh, uh, things had happened in her past. Uh, 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 she had had multiple relationships with multiple men. It doesn't tell us uh, whether they were divorced or men had died. Uh, 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 honestly, it doesn't matter. And, and the man that she was now with, uh, hey, I, and listen, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not judging that. What I'm saying is she was, uh, she was there because she was ashamed. Her life was, was one of immorality. When she said, I have no husband, what she was saying was true. But notice how what she said kind of hid, made what made it sound better. He said, go get your husband. She goes, I don't have one. He goes, you're right. And by the way, you've had five. And the one that you're now with, you're not married to. What was God doing? What was Christ doing? He was revealing all that he already knew. He was confronting her in her sinfulness. She was immoral, and, and he knew what she was doing. She was ignorant. In verse 22, uh, he tells her when, uh, in this discussion of worship and, and how to worship, he says, Jesus said to her, ye worship, ye, you know not what. He, he goes, he goes you're, you're, you're living in, in immorality. Uh, you, you, you're, you're committing uh, fornication and a, 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 a adultery. Uh, this is, uh, there's wickedness here. And not only that, but there's, there's, a, there's ignorance of the truth. And, and you're, you're worshiping, but you don't know who you're worshiping. You don't know how you're supposed to worship. You're just doing what you think you're supposed to be doing. He perceived what she was thinking. And he also knew that she was an imposter. Verse 23, he says, when the true worshipers. He say, she was saying, we worship. And he says, when the true worshipers come. What was he saying? He goes, I know your heart. You can be here today. I want you to know that, that God knows your life. I'm not, I'm not stalking you on Facebook. Don't think that, please. I, I, don't, I don't, don't think that I'm hiding outside your house and trying to record what you're watching on TV and the arguments between you and your spouse or you and your kids or what you do with that. I, I, I don't do those things. I, I don't need to do those things. The, the Holy Spirit's good at, at convicting your heart on whatever it is that you're doing. God knows. He knows what you do. He knows what you think. He knows what you understand of Scripture and what you don't understand of Scripture. Have you ever tried to make yourself sound smarter than you really are? Well, spiritual things? I have. You don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> no, hey, I'll do it, I'll do it. 
He also knew that she was faking. See, what she did was she went to, to, to worship like everybody else did, but there was no true worship in her heart. She was a, what we, an imposter, what we call a, a hypocrite. The, 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 she, was, she was honored the God with her mouth, but she was far from him with her heart. She didn't really know what she was supposed to worship or who she was supposed to worship. And he says, listen, when the true worshipers come, they will worship in spirit and in truth. There's a change that needs to take place before you can ever worship God. He knew. He was perceptive. Just like he knew her. He knows you. He knows your, the sin that you struggle with. He knows the weaknesses that you have, the, the thought life that, that, you don't, that you don't want anybody to know. He, he, he knows where you go when nobody's looking. He knows what you watch. He knows, he knows what you read. He knows what, what websites you visit. Now listen, he knows it all. He knows when you come to church and dress up so that, so that you are in your finest and everybody looks good and Hi, how you doing? Praise the Lord, God's good today, isn't he? I'm wonderful. Woohoo! I sing the mighty power of God, and in your heart you're far from him. He knows. I want you to know that he is perceptive. And until we understand that God knows our deepest, darkest secrets, our thoughts, our hypocrisy, our sin. We can never truly understand the greatness of his love and his sacrifice. Because when Jesus died on the cross, it means nothing if we didn't, he didn't need to die for me. But when I understand the depth of my sin and I see the power of that cross I understand his perception what he sees makes changes everything that's why in Ephesians chapter 2 the first several verses talk about how we were dead in our trespasses and sins and and walk according to the, 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 the course of this world, and, and, and we're, we're, we're led, or we're held captive under the power of Satan. It goes through all those things in verse 1 through 3, and verse 4 says, but God, who is rich in mercy. I don't know about you, but I like it when it says, but God. Because God did something in my life. If you're saved, he did something in your life. And if you're not saved, he did something for your life. We need to see, come and see, just how perceptive he is. Also, she wanted them to come and see for themselves, not only his perception, but his passion. His passion. Jesus said in verse 4, or it says of Jesus in verse 4, I must needs go through Samaria. It wasn't by happenstance. It wasn't just a, a shortcut. It wasn't a, a, just, uh, I, I've got to go this way because I've got to go this way. It's the fastest way. I, I don't know about you, but I like to go the fastest way to get anywhere. It's, it's, that, that's just how I like to roll. Sometimes I drive faster than I'm supposed to to get there in the fastest way. Nobody else does that, I'm sure. Um, that wasn't why he went where he went. It said, I must needs, or he must needs go. There was, there was a necessity uh, for him to go through Samaria. This woman had been surrounded her entire life with men that 
had need of her. She's married five times and now is with a man who won't even marry her. Why is this a problem? She has seen what the world would describe as love, but isn't real love. Because what the world describes as love is really a fulfillment of their own lust. That, that I will love you as long as I get what I need, but when something happens or I fall out of love with you, by the way, you can't scripturally fall out of love with somebody, but uh, when I fall out, when, when I've lost my feelings, when, when, when my desire for what you have to offer is gone, then I'm done with you. And she has seen that over and over and over and over and over again. And the man that she's now with says, listen, I don't even value enough that I'll put a ring on your finger, but, you know, take what you got. She was scraping the barrel uh, as far as she could because nobody else would talk to her. She was an outcast in her society. She was only wanted for one thing. But then she met Jesus. Who needed to see her, not because of what she could do for him or what she could provide for him, but because of what he could do for her. Luke chapter 19, verse 10 says this, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Christ came for the specific purpose, to die on the cross for our sins. He didn't come to heal. Well, he healed. He didn't come to do miracles while he did miracles. He came to save. Luke 5, 31 and 32 says this, And Jesus answering said to them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I come not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. He came to this well that day for a purpose, to share with this woman the living water, to show with to her love that she could, had never experienced. And that love is in the sacrifice that he did, made for her. 1 John 4, 10, through 10 says this, Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Romans 5, 8, But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. John 15, 13, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man laid down his life for his friends. What she experienced that day was, for the first time, real love. Sacrificial love. Nothing was being asked of her. Nothing was being required of her. Salvation was being offered to her. And when she went back into town in verse 29, she said, come and see a man. Come and see a man. She wanted them to come and experience for the first time what she had experienced for the first time. See, his passion for the souls of men. His passion is still the souls of men. 
It has not changed, and it will not change. We look, we, we looked, we've talked for, since I was a kid, I can remember a pastor saying that, that Jesus could come back at any time. He could. We're, we're waiting for the trump to sound and the dead in Christ to, 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 to rise, and, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. But listen, they've been waiting for that for thousands of years. And there are skeptics that are saying, well, it hasn't happened yet. I don't think it's going to happen. But God addresses that. Paul addresses that. He says, listen, God, the, the God would have all men to be saved, and, and he's, he, he's, he's being long-suffering so that more and more people can be saved. But one day, one day that last one will be saved. And only God knows who that is and how long that will be. Maybe it's today. I don't know. Maybe it's next year or next month. The Bible says no man knows the day or the hour uh, when the Son of Man comes. But I, I will tell you this, it is coming. But the reason it hasn't come yet is because God's desire is still for the souls of men. God loves you. You may never have experienced real love in your life. You, you may never have, have uh, been, even been able to understand what that true, no strings attached, uh, godly, uh, sacrificial love is. But I want you to understand it's found in Christ on the cross. She said, Come and see a man, a man of passion. And lastly, she wanted them to see a man of power. And I'm so thankful for the power of Christ. He has the power to do things that no man can do. If you remember, there's a, I believe it's in the book of Mark, uh, there is, a, uh, uh, there is a, a, an account of one of his miracles where they drop a man through the ceiling of of a, uh, of a building. We talked about this, I think, in Bible study on Thursday uh, a little bit in reference to what we were studying in First John. But uh, uh, they, drop, they drop a lame man, a paralyzed man, uh, down through the roof because the, the, the crowd is so big that they can't get to him through the doors or the windows. So they climb up on the roof and they break up open the roof and they lower him down on a bed with ropes and, and into the middle of this crowd where Jesus is. And, and, and uh, everybody's upset. I'd be upset if it was my house. Hey, that's my roof. Uh, but everybody was upset because of the interruption. And, and Jesus looks at the man and, and he says, Thy sins are forgiven thee. Bible says the Pharisees that were there were upset. Who was he to say that he has forgiven anybody? Because only God can forgive sins. Now, nobody said anything, they were just thinking it in their minds. Have you ever thought something and been glad it didn't come out your mouth? But remember how we said that Jesus knows what's in our hearts? <laughs> Jesus, knowing what was in their hearts, then said, which is easier, to say to a man, thy sins are forgiven thee, or get up and walk? So that you know that I have power to forgive sins, get up and walk. And this man who's been lame all of his life, who was unable to carry himself there, gets up off of his bed rejoicing and picks up his bed and carries it out of there. I don't know about you, but I'd be excited. What happened? Jesus did a miracle to prove that he could forgive sins. Listen, God is the only one that can truly forgive sins. Uh, we at times need to forgive one another when things happen to us, but God is the one, the only one that can forgive sin. This woman was an immoral woman. But beyond uh, looking at specifically what she, what she did, the Bible says that, that she was born with a sin nature. Listen, uh, 
we are what we are. We do what we do because of, of what we are. Have you ever had to teach your child to lie? Anybody? Did you have to teach them to, to hide the truth or to, 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 to put themselves first or be selfish? Ever have to teach them to hit each other? I've got four kids. Uh, uh, this morning, one, two of my kids came in. Uh, both of them were crying. One got hit in the eye with a sword, and the other one got hit with an elbow. You don't have to teach them to do those kinds of things. They do it naturally. Because our old nature is one of sin and wickedness. So it is, doesn't necessarily... It, I'm not, we don't need to focus on the fact that she was an immoral woman. Listen, there are immoral men. In fact, the five men that were her, that were her wives and, and, and took advantage of her and the man who was currently taking advantage of her, listen, they were immoral men. Don't judge the woman. Judge ourselves. I'm a sinner. The Bible says, for all have sinned. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none good. There is none good except for God. I want you to understand that God looks at us, God sees our sin, but God can forgive our sin. He's the only one with the power, the, the ability to forgive your sin and my sin. Ephesians 1.7 says, in whom we have redemption, through his blood, that's Jesus, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. How can God forgive sins? How can Christ forgive sins? Because he paid for them. Jesus Christ paid for your sins and my sins. Praise the Lord. Hey, listen, hey, they talk about there being three nails on the cross, one for each hand and one for his feet. But the book of Colossians tells us this, that our sins, that are the charges against us, have been nailed to the cross. We don't carry them anymore. Back, back in those days, uh, when, when somebody was charged with a crime, they would take the, 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 the list of their charges and they would nail it to the outside of their, their cell and they would sit there. And if they were hung on the cross, they would, they, they would put those charges there so everybody knew why they were punished the way they were punished. Colossians says that your sin and my sin were nailed to that cross because he bore our sin and paid for it, purchased with his blood. The book of Isaiah chapter 53 verse 10 says that Seeing the agony of his soul, God's wrath, or the, the judgment of God, was satisfied. He bore our burden. He paid for our sin. John one twenty nine says, The next day John sees Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Jesus was that sacrifice and is that sacrifice. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the, the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Listen, we were those things. We, we, have, we, were, we were messed up. We were, just, we, we were sinful and wicked, uh, lost without hope. But Christ died for our sins. He has the power to forgive. Listen, I don't want you to sit there and think that, well, you don't know what I'm, what, what, what I'm guilty of. I don't. But you don't know what I'm guilty of either. There is no sin that God cannot forgive. There is, the, the, the God has the ability and is just in doing so because your sin has been covered by the blood. 
1 John 1, 9 is written to Christians, but it says this. I want to look at it because I know it, but first words escaping me. If we confess our sins, there we go. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from unrighteous, all unrighteousness. He's faithful and just. What that means is he's right to do it. See, I don't have the ability to tell you your sins are forgiven you because I don't have the right to do it. Jesus has the right. God has the right because of what Christ did. So she went to those men and she, she said, come see this man who's able to forgive sins. Not only is he able to forgive sins, praise God, he's able to forget them too. You ever had to forgive something and then try to forget? It isn't easy. Whether it's what somebody else has done to you or something that's happened to you, or something that you have done, and you're unable to forgive yourself. Uh, many times, we, we, we carry those thoughts and those memories, and, and as much as we want to or want to forget those things, it affects the way we act. It affects the way we treat one another. It, 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 we, because we don't have the power in and, in, uh, in and of ourselves to forget the past. Now, the wording here is interesting. Because God is all-knowing. Amen? He's a big word. He's omniscient. There's, there's nothing that, that, that God does not know. But when, when, when we talk about God not remembering, it doesn't, it's an accounting term. The, 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 the Greek word is, a, is, is an accounting term. I mean, it's not put to our account any longer. So God, in his knowledge, knows your past. He'll never forget that. But he no longer holds you accountable to it. Because God has the ability the power to forget sin. Micah 7 verse 19 says this, He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities, and thou will cast our sins into the depths of the sea. And he put up a no fishing sign. God doesn't pull those things back up. They're, they're forgiven. They're cast away. Psalms 103 verse 12 says, And as far as the east is from the west, so hath he removed our transgressions from us. Isaiah 43, 25, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. I'm thankful that my sin is no longer on my account. That, that Jesus now stands before the Father and, and, and he pleads my case for me. Uh, there is one, well, he is my intercessor. He intercedes on my behalf. Uh, uh, when, when, when Satan would accuse me of, uh, of, of, my, of, my, of my past and of my, 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 my failures, listen, of my sin, listen, uh, Satan would accuse me to, before God, but, but Christ would always say, he's under the blood. No longer held to our account. He has the power to forgive, the power to forget, and the power to fulfill. John 4, 14, Jesus said this, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up in everlasting life. He says there is a water that, that, will, that will quench your thirst for all eternity. That you'll, it, it won't be something that you have to go and get anymore. It, it, is, it, is, a, it is a water that will rise up within you, that will be within you. Listen, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. 
It's that, it's that same spirit which, which, which dwells inside of every child of God. That, that, when, that, that when we're thirsting, listen, he, not, and I don't mean a physical thirst, I'm talking about a spiritual thirst. He, he, he quenches that thirst because he's ever springing up in everlasting life. John chapter 6, 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Listen, there's only one person, one, one man in history that could ever fulfill these kinds of promises, and that is Jesus Christ. And it's based upon not what he did as, as a human, but what he did as the Son of God, when he died on the cross for our sins. Listen, he existed before he was born. There are those that will tell you that, that he was created uh, there when uh, the, 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 the God created Jesus. False doctrine. In the beginning, John chapter 1 says, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who do you think it's talking about? John ends the book of John by saying this, these things are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He can fulfill these things because of who he was, because of what he did. This woman goes into town and she, she, she says to them, come and see. Come and experience for yourself the salvation this man, this wonder. This morning you might be here today and have never tasted, tasted, you've never seen for yourself. I encourage you, if God is speaking to your heart, come and see. Come and meet Jesus. Maybe you're here today and say, hey, I'm, I'm saved, I'm, I'm good. I got saved this day. I got saved. You know, I got saved here, where, then, where, wherever. Praise the Lord if you're saved. That doesn't mean you can walk away from this message. Because, listen, the same purpose that Christ had is the same purpose that he gives us. And we see that here. The very first thing she did when, when, she, when she learned of who he was, when she believed on him, she left her water pot and she went into town to tell others about Christ. What, 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 when you get saved, what God wants of you is to leave your water pot. Now, that doesn't mean you leave your job, unless God tells you to leave your job. God calls some people to be missionaries, to travel the country. We support some of them. But God calls all of us to tell others of what Christ has done for us and invite them to come and see. And if you already have seen, the responsibility of the place upon your shoulders to invite others to come and see this man who's done so much. For you, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this this morning. I thank you for your word. God, I pray that you'd help us to learn your truth. I thank you for what Christ did for us on the cross, the salvation that was so freely offered to us. And God, I pray that there's one here this morning that's not saved, that God, that you wouldn't let them rest until they come and see for themselves what salvation is all about, until they come and experience the love that Christ has for us, the, the forgiveness of sins. Uh, that it's free to each and every one of us because of what Jesus Christ did. God, I pray you'd work in their hearts. God, for the rest of us, I pray that you would, Lord, that you would inspire us. Done in our lives with those around us. Give us a burden, Lord, a purpose, a love for others like you have for us. God, that we might share the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, with the world. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Keep your head down. Just a moment. If you're here this morning, you